You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, have you ever had a vanilla slice from the Sorrento Bakery? <laughs> no, I haven't. And I have no idea where you're going with this. Uh, this is just a, another beauty from your mate, uh, Tom Brown, who he's uh, had some real pearlers over the last uh, last 24 hours. Just saying that, I guess, you know what? I'm actually on, uh, on uh, Brownie's side. Yeah, because he's uh, he's calling out the bullshit from Collingwood, which we could fill a whole podcast with bullshit from Collingwood, really, today, where Jeff Walsh said that they never went after Tom Lynch, and and, uh, and Tommy Brown says that uh, Ned Guy jumped the fence. I presumed he wasn't at Tom Lynch's parents' the house before he, the, the day before he committed to Richmond, dropping off bread and a couple of famous vanilla slices from the Sorrento Bakery. So there you go, those uh, famous vanilla slices... Uh, the uh, the excuse that Tommy Brown's throwing out there, but uh, this the nonsense surrounding Collingwood. Literally, we could do a whole show. Uh, actually, we could do two whole shows on everything that went down uh, on the AFL trade deadline with uh, with Collingwood. Um, we're going to get to that later, though, because let's talk about yeah. yes, the yeah, the best player. I'd say that that changed teams because maybe that's a little bit debatable, but I say he's the best player that changed teams, and he's gone down to your blokes, and that is the Jeremy Cameron deal. Finally. Um, finally got over the line with GWS matching the restricted free agency offer, so not getting the compensation pick and ending out up with three first-round picks, those three Geelong first, 13, 15, 20, a future fourth-round pick, but they do have to give back two future seconds, which could be a decently high pick. Uh, yeah, they're, one of those is an Essendon one. So they get those three first, which they were looking for. They do give up a little bit on the back end, but in the end, I think it's probably... Probably the right uh, right outcome. I, I think so, and this should really uh, encourage other teams to match because you can see that if you aren't happy with the original compensation, which was going to be uh, pick 11, then match the deal if you can afford to do so. GWS could. And if you remember, Geelong did give him a, a higher deal, I think, anticipating that GWS wouldn't match. I think, obviously, they'd had some conversations. This didn't go the way that Geelong planned. But I think overall, the Cats would have gone into this saying, you know, I think if we want Jeremy Cameron, we're probably going to have to give up these three picks. It took until the final few seconds here, and it did happen. And it's interesting to note from draft to draft, we'll see. I think uh, the 13, 15, 20, each of those will slide back a little bit here. And as you mentioned, who knows what will happen with the future seconds? Because I think that is an important addition to the deal. I think straight away everyone said, wow, they gave up the three first. I didn't think they were going to do that. And then you hear they get two future seconds that might actually not be too far off the pick 20. Uh, it, it's, it, you know, I, I think considering the situation, uh, this is a, a great deal for both. I think both teams walk away feeling uh, pretty happy. I did tweet it out. I, I don't think GWS would ever want to lose a player like Jeremy Cameron, but given the situation, uh, they, um, they 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 played it well. They did did it well. It was a smart move, and now they can uh, either go to the draft or use those picks to move up a little bit and figure something out that way. Yeah, thirteen will probably end up going back to fifteen or sixteen because there'll be the Eugle Hagen bid that comes in. There'll be 
probably a McGuinness bid, I'm, I'm guessing, as well in that area. Um, and they'll probably drop it back a couple, but you're right that that pick 20 will might end up at 23 or 24. And a second rounder next year, which, you know, Essendon's second rounder next year, GWS second round, we don't know where they're going to be, but Essendon's second rounder could be at pick 25 or 26. Mm. So that third first rounder ends up getting back really close to it when they get that second round back. And I think when you're talking about winning the press conference or the PR battle, GWS says we've got three first, and a lot of people don't look to those um, look to those future picks as as highly. And that allows them to, I guess, win that PR battle and Geelong saves face by getting that second, those couple of second rounders back as well. But it is, um, it's a strong outcome for, for both teams. Um, yeah, no matter what we think of the process, GWS did the right thing in matching in the end and played hardball. And that's a, it's a, it's a great result for them given the, the circumstances they were under. And you can understand if you're GWS. Remember, at the start of this negotiation, they said, uh, we want a player. We want Radaglia. We want Parfit. Uh, Narkel's name was thrown around the mix as well. So, uh, you know, if the cat said straight away, basically, we'll give you two first rounders. GWS said, okay, we want a player with that. Cat said, that's not happening. So as far as that negotiation goes as well, if you had the choice between pick 20 or Radaglia or pick 20 or Parfit, Parfit, I think, was never in the equation, or Narkel, Perhaps if you're Geelong in the end, they were always willing to give up pick 20 and just said, listen, we would rather give up pick 20 than give up an established player that's played plenty of senior footy over the last couple of years. But it'll be interesting to see what GWS do because I think with the amount of talent still on their list, they would still expect to hopefully bounce back and play finals next year. So, you know, do they need five picks, which I think they have inside the top 30 right now? Probably not, but that's the way this has played out. Interestingly, just in terms of trades, you talked about players. We had no player-for-player player swaps, mm. if you don't include the three-way between Brisbane, the Bulldogs, and North Melbourne, where you know, Steph Martin went to the Bulldogs and Lockie yeah. Young went to North. But not one player-for-player player swap or player-and-draft-pick-for-player swap. And you know, I talked about it yesterday or two days ago. I said, is there going to be any player traded whose name has not been mentioned? We got one. We got one player traded whose name hadn't been mentioned. The Nick Hind one, that hadn't been floated around much, but I had heard Nick Hind to Essendon uh, quite a few times. And the one player who we never heard mentioned was uh, Atu Bosanavalagi. We hadn't heard his name thrown around, but he was uh, included in a deal. The only player whose, whose location... Well, the fact that he was getting traded hadn't been talked about for two weeks, which is so wild to, to think this. And we had things that had been talked about didn't go down, but everything that happened apart from him being included in the Jaden Stevenson deal was things that we had heard happen before. But I think that's as good a segue as any Kane to talk about what happened with, uh, with Collingwood. We'll start with the biggest deal of them all because the trade deadline happened 7.30 p.m. last night and multiple media members, Adam Trelaw has not been traded. And uh, the first person I saw to have it was Daniel Churney and said, uh, Trelaw's been traded. And I tweeted him, I go, are you sure about that, mate? And then, uh, <laughs> and then, it, then it came out that it was happening. And Trelaw did go and he has gone to the Western Bulldogs. And this is something that I have spoken about on Twitter. And I think you're probably sick of me saying it, like ad nauseum here on this podcast, is that those three-way deal things where the Bulldogs send Dunkley to Essendon and Collingwood gets pick seven and the Bulldogs get Trelaw was never going to be a starter for the Bulldogs. And they were looking to get Trelaw and bring him in with Dunkley. And I didn't think that Dunkley thing was a, a fait accompli because that, that those getting pick six meant nothing for the Bulldogs because it would just get absorbed into uh, Jamara Hugo Hagen draft at academy points. But in the end, Adam Trelaw goes to the Bulldogs 
for a future second pick. Realistically, that's what it was because they get their first round pick, which is pick 14, but the Bulldogs were trading that pick anyway because they needed to trade that away to get more points for the Eugle Hagen bid. And in the end, Collingwood sending back the, the picks that they sent back with Trelaw ended up being more draft points than that first round pick. So in the end, Trelaw basically goes for a future second. And this is something, again, we've been talking about in this podcast. When your team is in such a shambles that Collingwood was salary cap space, you don't give up premium assets for it. We saw it with every deal. Stevenson, Phillips, Trelaw. You cannot demand what the player is worth as a player. If you're in salary cap situation, and I'm glad that the team said, no, you guys need to get rid of these players. We're not giving you jack shit for them. You're going to have something, but it's not what these guys are worth. And that is why Collingwood got absolutely poleaxed by these trade deals because they... They had put it out there, and they everyone knew their position, and we're going to talk about that with Ben Brown later on. And they had no bargaining power, and that is why Adam Trelaw goes for a future second-round pick when this is a bloke who's in the you know, All-Australian squad multiple times. It is just horrible management from them, and you know, we'll, we'll, should I talk about the Bulldog side of things now? I, I feel like I'm going on because we've got a lot of Collingwood stuff to talk about. Kane, I'll ask you from a neutral perspective. How? Because I've seen a few people mention this from the Bulldogs' perspective. Is it like, well, now now Dunkley's going to be even more pissed off because he can't get enough midfield time and Trelaws in there. Yeah, how dare they keep someone who didn't want to be there and now you know, piss him off even more? I I am you know, looking at it from a Bulldogs' perspective. I'm going, mate, I think this is perfect. I think they're going to be able to run this. At a, and I've got lots of thoughts how they do it. But do you see that as a negative? Oh, I mean, I, I don't think it's a negative because I don't think that with Dunkley in this situation, someone who is contracted to the club for another two years, I don't think that a player in that situation at his age, yes, if he says he wants to go out, I don't think that you just automatically accommodate that. This isn't a situation where he wanted to move interstate or he needed to move home. He literally wanted to move across the other side of the city. So for me... Not not even out, like 10 minutes away. Yeah, exactly. So for me... No, I don't. I don't have a problem with it, and I don't think that you need to cater to Josh Dunkley in that situation. I do. I will say, and I did laugh about it. I mean, I I will say that Dunkley. There may be some feelings from him going, "Are you kidding me? Like, I wanted to play in this midfield, and now you pick up Adam Trelaw, who, uh, by the way, really is a midfielder. I mean, let's not let's not mess around here. He's a guy that's probably going to need to play in the middle. So I think that there'll be questions asked and and maybe he would be a little bit disappointed this morning but from everything we hear about Josh Dunkley I've got no doubt that he's going to work hard and he'll play well next season and he'll probably request the same trade in 12 months time but then again maybe he won't if the Bulldogs have success I think that clearly there's going to have to be some shuffling with the Bulldogs midfield because already you did have a player like Dunkley playing out of position a little bit from where he thinks he should be Bonson Pally was spending some time forward so maybe you'll see more of that that kind of like Dangerfield, do you really want Bonta play Pally playing in the forward line half the time? Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. So they'll, they'll have to figure some things out. But no, I, I'm first of all, I would not have skipped on a Trelaw deal because you couldn't move on Dunkley. And I secondly wouldn't have cared really about what Dunkley thinks about this acquisition. That's 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 not the club's responsibility. They're going to bring in good players. This is a good deal. you got to do it. And the other thing is, is that people are assuming that the Bulldogs didn't speak to Dunkley and said, mate, like, Trelaw's coming in. Like if we don't get what you want from you. Like what are you going to be? And it, it, look, there's no reason. But they that he, might not have. Yeah, they might not have. But they may have. He might have said, "Okay, fine. Like I'll I'll, I'll deal with it. Like we'll, yeah. we'll do what we need to do." There is there is no indication that he has said, "You know, screw you, pricks. Like what are you doing to me?" There's no indication of that at this point. And yeah, for the limited interactions I've had with Josh, he is a really good bloke. And yeah, that is yeah, the good bloke currency gets thrown around a lot in footy. 
but I don't. There's been no indication that he's you know creating problems or that they didn't actually you know speak to him and have being in you know, constant consultation with him about how these moves go. And the other thing I think is we've seen the Bulldogs' success in 2016. We saw the Richmond success in 17, 19, and 20. High, extremely like manic, frantic pressure, hitting bodies, going at a million miles an hour all the time. Yeah, so what do you what do you need for that? Just a million guys to rotate through the middle. And that is what the Bulldogs used to do. Luke Dalhouse would play in the guts and he'd go play up forward. But basically, they'd run like almost four-man forward lines and just run those half forwards as midfielders. So are they getting back to that? Like, hey, let's actually ramp this pressure up and this tempo up even more. Have spells down there. Play up you know, in the midfield. Dunkley, you started half forward. Libby, you started half forward. But as soon as the ball's bounced, you're in the midfield anyway. Like these guys, like we move you guys around, and everyone just runs forward and back and forward and back. And if you're in the midfield, then you're also a forward. If you're in the forward line, you're also a midfielder. And then you have your rest because we've got a million guys to replace you. And Dunkley missed weeks this year. Libba's missed multiple seasons with a knee injury. It also gives you cover for that. So I agree with you there. And I just wanted to see how someone neutral would come off it. I think that it's a deal they had to make. I'm not worried about Dunkley creating a fuss here. So the Bulldogs come out of it this trade period with Steph Martin, Mitch Hannon. Adam Trelaw, they keep Josh Dunkley, and they get more points to acquire Jamara Hagen. Uh, if they're not the winner of the trade deadline, I'd say they're pretty close to it. Yeah, they'll be right up there. There's a couple of teams that did pretty well, but certainly the Bulldogs, I think all things considered, have uh, have come out pretty well here. They've addressed, obviously, an issue with the ruck, and the midfield is only going to be strengthened. And again, uh, we said it before. I mean, this isn't a guy with one year left. I, I did mention that maybe Dunkley next year will request a trade again, and that's certainly, uh, certainly a possibility. But uh, maybe also, like I said, he finds his uh, groove in there. And Trelaw, another player that's known for working pretty hard. Perhaps they get along. Perhaps Trelaw is a, is a key to keeping Dunkley at the Bulldogs as well. So we'll see. But uh, I think certainly the other side of the coin was the quite incredible part of all this. A- actually it, incredible. It's It's amazing the stuff that was going on. Well, I uh, I was walking the dog actually, and uh, so I chucked on trade. Is that radio a euphemism? To... What's that? Is that a euphemism? No, 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 no. It was about five, five thirty. So you'll be pleased that I chucked on trade radio, but I really <laughs> wanted to keep up to date with what was going on. And and I, uh, geez, they were taking the talkback callers. And sometimes, if you just need a good laugh, just listen to talkback radio because uh, you get some characters that that ring in. And the Collingwood fans, oh my goodness, there was a handful that would defend Collingwood no matter what, and they were ringing up and saying, "No, those players are bad character guys. Like they need to leave the club." To which I say, "You're about to give Jordan Tagoe a huge contract. Don't talk to me about character." But there was the other Collingwood fans that were seriously like, "I'm not paying for my membership. I'm not doing this. Screw the club. Screw Buckley. Screw Ned Guy." Uh, Collingwood fans, uh, the vast majority of them are furious and it's hard not to understand why it makes a lot of sense to me. I reckon I would be uh, just about tipped over the edge as well if I was a Collingwood fan. How about this one from Collingwood as well? Because this I didn't see until this morning. Uh, Ned Guy was asked if Collingwood would have looked to have traded Trelaw if his wife had not chosen to continue or if his wife had chosen to continue her career in Victoria, and he said, yeah, that was the catalyst for the discussion. We wouldn't have looked to have that discussion. It wouldn't have evolved from that, I wouldn't have thought. So yeah. the... His, his interview, I don't know if you saw the full interview. Oh, I haven't seen pretty, it all. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Just I, say that. The, the way that this club has handled, and this is nothing against Collingwood supporters because you have no control over what goes on, but so many Eddie Maguire issues and gaffes over years and years and years. This, the Dugowie stuff is not great. The... 
um, issue with the, the two guys that were yeah, busted for, for drugs. I don't remember their, their names off the top of my head. Um, th- now, this stuff, the, the exit with Trelaw blaming his wife for going to play in Queensland and saying, oh, yeah, Adam's too much of a soft cock to deal with it. Like that, that That's basically the implication they're throwing out here. Um, and then Ned Guy last night coming out and saying, well, it's got nothing to do with the salary cap. Like, we, we just, you know, we just thought we'd want to move on from these guys because, you know, we want real good draft capital. Like, you didn't gain anything. You lost unbelievable amounts of player uh, value and and you didn't actually gain really anything in terms of draft value. It is an embarrassing look for the club. And I think if they just came out and said, look, you know what? Our cap is screwed. Like, we hate to lose these guys. Not like, nah, we didn't actually want them anyway. Because that is how you get into this situation where you're giving guys away for actually nothing. And it's it's embarrassing that they would come out and use Trelaw and his wife um, against him. Um, and then with with the Jaden Stevenson stuff, the, the comments that Stevenson had where he's like, yeah, look, I just had to call up Bucks and say, what's going on? And Bucks said, look, go find a trade as hard as you can. Like, what, what is going on with this club? That is just as abysmal player welfare and, and management, I think, as you could find. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing about that interview, as you pointed to, he kept on uh, talking about the draft and the fact that they what wanted to improve. I don't, I don't know. So the, the numbers are this. They brought in pick 14, and then they had a couple of picks that they brought in that were over 60, so nothing picks. So pick 14 is what they brought in. Uh, they actually lost pick 26, pick 33, pick 39, and pick 42. <laughs> so, they, so they lost four picks within the top 45. Uh, and that's before you even mentioned losing four players that are under the age of uh, 27 there. So obviously Trelaw's in his prime. Jaden Stevenson, just in his third year, who they used, picked six for a couple of seasons ago. And, and he was Phillips. the rising star as well, remember that. <laughs> rising star, Tom Phillips, and then uh, Bosna Villaghi as well. So yeah, just a, I've never seen a team get uh, smacked around in trade period like this, but this is probably the worst trade period in the history of football for a club. And to pretend that it's got nothing to do with salary cap uh, is just a joke and they should have just come out and said it because everyone knows it and the more you deny it and the more you try and say that this was part of the plan and what you wanted to do, I think you make your fans more angry. And to be honest, I think you lose a bit of respect around the league. Now, I I understand that players, if they get a big contract in front of them, will probably sign it anyway because money will talk. We do know that. And maybe over the next couple of years, Collingwood will be able to uh, you know, recoup some of the the talent that they've lost here and pick up some free agents for sure. But I just think if they're in a battle now with another club for a free agent services, it would be harder if you're a player to take them seriously when they offer you a contract and you say, "What are you even gonna? What, what does this contract mean? Are you gonna pay me, or are you gonna have to pay me to play for another club?" Because that's the other part of this that that needs to be spoken about. They're paying a significant amount of Adam Trelaw's contract still, which is pretty pretty embarrassing. Allegedly, one point five million over five years. They're still paying. And they're throwing in chunks of change with some of the other players as well. So it's a disaster. And not only are you losing the players, you're going to be paying some of their salary while they're out in the field probably kicking your ass. So, uh, no, just, just I, I don't know. Like you said, we could probably go on and on and on. But Collingwood fans, I almost feel bad for you. Almost. Well, I don't know which one's the biggest deal. Is it Hawthorne getting Tom Phillips for pick 65? Is it North Melbourne getting Stevenson, Boston of Alagi and, and pick 39 and a second round pick? for uh, giving up pick 26, pick 33, and pick 70. And let's break this down because Collingwood, okay, Stevenson, Bossa Valagi, and pick 39 go out, and they get 26, 33, and 70 coming back. And then they sent 26 and 33 away anyway in, in part of that Trelaw deal. 
So they the actual the actual haul of what they got back. Well, it looks fine. Okay, we got a second. We got a we got two second rounders back from North Melbourne. They're both gone. They're out the door, and that got turned into that pick fourteen that you get for for Adam Adam Trelaw, which is just absolutely mind boggling. And the defense of it, I haven't heard Eddie speak, thankfully, on this situation, but he's going to come out and spin absolute nonsense about it. And yeah, you guys aren't aren't in the club and you don't know how things are going and how dare you besmirch our club. Like It is as, it is as obvious as dog's balls, really, at, at this point, that they had to just give these guys away because they have mishandled the communication with the players and the salary cap because you cannot under any footballing circumstance, as much as your mate Tom Brown tried to yesterday, saying, oh, they're doing it so they can get into free agency next year and get Petrarca and Zach Merritt and to go really hard into the draft. Like, that is laughable. And we know that, you know, Tom has a gig on, yeah, Triple M where Eddie pulls, a, well, before he resigned, yeah, pulled a lot of strings. But that's a laughable statement. And it is, just say it's the salary cap. You don't have to mishandle the players like this, but just say it because it is obvious to everybody and it is embarrassing. And I feel sorry for Collingwood fans. Yeah, I almost feel sorry for him. I'm going to keep saying almost. <laughs> almost feel sorry for him. Let's not go too far here. But uh, remember, it, it's not just the money as well. It's the way that they've treated the players. You sort of hinted to it there. But this Trelaw situation has been a disaster. Even Jaden Stevenson yesterday said that he actually had to ring Nathan Buckley and say, hey, well, what, what's going on here? And Buckley said, yeah, chase a trade, man. We, we probably want you to chase a trade. It's incredible. They just they treated their own players like crap as well. And certainly Stevenson and Trelaw, two players that, uh, from all reports, were pretty desperate to stay. So, um, oh, not just reports, out of their own mouth, actually. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a disaster. And as you said, just uh, stop, stop trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes because no one's buying it. No one's buying it. It's very obvious. Everyone can see what happened. We're not going to talk too much more about Collingwood because I know that their fans, they probably don't want to hear anything about footy, yeah, to be exactly. honest, at the moment. But out of the three deals, which one, which team got the best steal in terms of value? Trelaw to the Bulldogs, Stevenson and Boston of Alagi to the, to the Kangas, or Phillips to Hawthorne? Who was the best value uh, robbery of Collingwood? Well, I think for the Bulldogs right now, they got a player that they are hoping will catapult them closer to top four. I'm, I'm a little skeptical, but they certainly is going to bolster their, their, their best 22. We spoke about that. I think it might be North Melbourne just because I do like the upside of Stevenson there and Boston of Alagi, we don't know a whole lot about, but Stevenson, uh, like I said, a pick, six, a, pick six a couple of years ago. Boston of Alagi was, uh, was an academy guy too. I know, this is, it's, he's 21, he's a rising star winner. Yes, he was off his game this year, but... And then, but you say that and you go, okay, Trelaw, yeah, that looks like a great steal. Then you go, Stevens, it looks like a steal. Then I go, and then 24-year-old Tom Phillips with pick 65. Like, I don't, I can't work out which one's the best or well, the Ned worst, guy, depending on what side you're on. Yeah, well, that guy actually said uh, in this interview that t- they were happy to move on Tom Phillips because he wanted to play on a wing and they spoke to him and said, well, we've got steel side bottom coming back next year, <laughs> next year. So, look, the wing's a little bit locked up there, Tommy Boy. So, we'll just we'll just hand you over for a, for a can of Coke. So, that's that's the way that interview went down. I, I don't know what else to say. But uh, maybe North Melbourne. Maybe North Melbourne, if Stevenson uh, plays to the level he's at, uh, that would just, just a steal, absolute steal. And this is how teams get better. Um, we talked about you know, Kane Corns, your mate, talking about um, yeah North Melbourne, how they're going to field a side like like this, like this by being smart with their draft capital. And I've seen yeah. this around as well. A lot of Essendon supporters. Well, now now that um, because Kane, you're aware the AFL wants another a second trade window before the yeah. before the draft. You heard you heard that one. 
Well, it's it's quite remarkable that uh, they didn't release the list sizes till the last day of trade period. So now they're thinking of randomly having a 24-hour oh, trade God. period here coming up. Yeah, it's kind of amateur hour in, in that regard. But um, I, I don't know. I, I saw that and I just I kind of laughed. It seemed like seemed like something you do on 2K or something like that on a video game. It was kind of kind of crazy to read. That's actually a real thing. So like yeah, I see a lot of SNP. Or now what we'll do is we'll just take uh, pick six and seven. We'll just give them to North and they'll give us pick two. Like that. That's not how it works. Um, because North Melbourne would have to say yes to that, and they won't say yes to that. They will just keep their pick two and make a strong selection. And they've got pick 11 as well, and they'll make a good selection there. And they've made some smart picks you know, with getting Core in and now Stevenson and Boston of Alagi will probably get close to best 22. Lockie Young's going to be pushed to that. Like there's, that's that's how you build it up. It might be painful again for next season and the season after. But that's the sort of smart things that you need to do. To um, And we talked about why North Melbourne didn't you know, go harder in moving on from guys like Goldstein and Higgins earlier on. And they did it here, you know, by moving on Sean Higgins, um, and using the picks and and using teams who are bent over a barrel to uh, to get some value in. And I think it's fantastic to see that. And if you are, and even though they don't have a coach at the moment, if you are a North Melbourne fan, that, it gives you some hope. And that's exactly what you want. And you're going to get more hope come draft night when you get a, a couple of high picks coming into the team. But Kane, we've been talking like 25 minutes here. And there's a lot more, uh, a lot more in terms of deals that went down. So let's cover some of those. Jack Higgins ended up with St Kilda again. We we know this stuff is going to happen. And what it ended up being, they did get St Kilda's first round pick, but they had to send back their own first round pick. So basically, St Kilda um, moves down from 17 to 21. They St Kilda also gets a a future fourth, and Richmond gets a future second. There's so many future picks being thrown around here. Um, so, yeah, good result for St. Kilda. Massive. They get Brad Crouch, and they get Jack Higgins in, in this trade period. And they, are, you know, they along with the Bulldogs, are two teams who are obviously pushing for that top four next year. Yeah, we spoke about the value of Higgins, and uh, we had some input from some Richmond fans. And I would have to imagine they'd be pretty disappointed with this uh, return for Jack Higgins. As you said, uh, they, they only improved four slots in the draft and then essentially swap a future second for a future fourth. So for uh, the Saints, so this is great. Great deal for them, I think. Yep, fantastic. And that, but that's, again, what happens when... Now, Higgins wasn't out of contract, so they had a bit more bargaining power there with him, but maybe they just thought, maybe he's not going to be best 22 this next season and his value goes down even further um, the, the next year. So, hey, we'll take that. We'll take the jump from you know, a fourth-round pick, which could be pick 60, and didn't get it into a second rounder, which could be pick 35. We'll, we'll take that, you know, that that jump up there. It could be even later than pick 60, that fourth rounder. So that maybe they're looking at it that way and thinking, well, I don't think Jack is necessarily going to be best 22 for this coming season, and we'll move on. But it is a great deal for the Saints. And there were just there's so many steals around here. What about Ben Brown to Melbourne? Now, we've talked about this. What is North Melbourne? Now, I've praised North Melbourne before. Yep, that great job. But telegraphing that you don't want Ben Brown around uh, meant that he had there was no, you had no position to demand anything from anyone, and in the end, you didn't really get much back in terms of that deal. They they um, get pick twenty six and twenty and thirty three, which are, are picks that they used to get Jaden Stevenson in, so that, that's fine. They got a future fourth round selection as well, and they sent out Ben Brown, and they also sent out a second round pick, pick number twenty eight, and a future fourth rounder as well. So, in the end, they did use that Ben Brown deal to get Stevenson in which is a win, but in terms of just a pure value play from this Brown deal, uh, not not great. No, this was a deal that was getting ridiculed a lot online, but as with all things with trade periods, sometimes you just got to let the dust settle 
a little bit. There was a few trades that went down this path. So we spoke uh, earlier in the week about Lockie Fogarty, who was traded and pick 30 was exchanged there. Then the catch flipped that straight over for Sean Higgins. So all these conversations are intertwined and they know what's going on. And when this deal first dropped, yeah, I mean, it looks like pretty disastrous value for a guy that has kicked so many goals uh, over the last four years. We know he had it down 2020. But if you include it all together, which you kind of have to do, uh, North Melbourne with uh, pick 26 and 33 for Ben Brown, they basically turn that into Stevenson and Bosna Villagi. We know there's a lot more to that deal, but that's essentially the framework. And you ask yourself, well, you get a forward. Stevenson and Ben Brown clearly different type of players but when you tie it all together it does change the deal a little bit there because certainly on paper in isolation it, it looks pretty one-sided and certainly a great deal for the D's. Yeah and Melbourne also made another trade which was just a pick swap but they get two first rounders off Brisbane and a future second um, but they do give up their first round pick next year so Melbourne want to hope they're going to be good this year because if they're as bad as they was in 20, as they were in 2019 then that is a disastrous uh, selection. Trading future first rounders is always risky. But Melbourne, um, yeah, they've got 18, 19, 28 now. But interestingly, Brisbane really just traded away a lot of early picks. And some of them were you know, part of getting players in, but ended up just with a ton of, um, of back-end picks. They have six picks from between 53 and 94 and five picks between 53 and, uh, and 69. Well, I guess a lot of that is going to be used for academy plays, but they just said... I, I'm guessing they said, well, we're not... The, a lot of these guys haven't played in this draft. We don't know how to scout them properly. Let's get some future picks in. Let's use our back ones on our academy guys, and let's not actually invest heavily in this draft. And I think that's a decently smart move to to look at it that way, because if you haven't seen 60% of the draft pool play, then don't expend that capital. Send those guys out. Get picks for the future like that. And I think that's a great piece of business from Brisbane getting Melbourne's future first. Use your later picks on uh, on academy guys and then uh, and then have a crack in 2021. Yeah, there's so much at play here because there's points, as you pointed to. There's the academy stuff. Uh, there's teams that are simply just looking in the now as well. Let's not discount that. There is that. That is certainly the case as well. But a couple of the contending teams have done that. So you mentioned Brisbane. And the Cats as well, I think now next year have a first, and I think they have three seconds. And there's certainly been a lot of talk about next year's draft has been pretty loaded. And also, like you pointed to, you'll have the benefit of hopefully seeing these uh, underage, uh, under-18 comps uh, roll through a full season as well. So when the future picks do come in, you certainly do see some teams, and yeah, probably the contending teams more than others because they can afford to do so, uh, projecting ahead to future drafts a little bit. And that's how this off-season period has changed a little bit over the years. And I don't mind it. It takes a little bit more strategy, uh, forces these teams to think to the future a little bit as well. Interestingly, Melbourne has traded out the, for 2021, the draft, they've traded their first, second, third, and fourth round pick. They don't have any <laughs> of their own picks in next year's draft, but they have a round two, a round three, and a round four pick from other teams. So their draft looks pretty yeah. weird when you look at what's happening. You're right. Geelong has got two seconds next year and mm. a uh, and a third rounder. Um, they've got Essendon's second, GWS's second, and uh, Melbourne's third round pick. So a lot of future picks have been dealt already, but there are other players that moved on. Uh, again, one we'd heard about for li- feels like two years. Orazio Fantasia goes to Port. Um, Essendon didn't get a first rounder in that deal as they were allegedly hoping for. This was one that seemed to tie in with uh, the, the deal getting Jai Caldwell to Essendon. Essendon gets a pick 29 and a future third, and they send out Fantasia and pick 73 in that deal. And then 
They Essendon also gets Jai Caldwell, 44 and 74, while GWS gets pick 29, the one that Essendon got from Port for Fantasia, and they send that uh, to GWS, and they, a future second goes there as well. So Essendon, yeah, there's some draft pick swaps there, but in essence, they lose Fantasia, they get Caldwell, and lose a little bit of draft capital uh, in with those selections. But with three top eight picks, I think they could afford to lose some of those second rounders. Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with uh, Fantasia next season. And we've spoken about him a lot. Clearly, uh, a really big talent, but hasn't been able to stay healthy. So if he stays healthy, he could add to the Port Adelaide list for sure. We know the way they like to play. He is fast. He finishes well. He's clever inside 50. So potentially, um, he could be a valuable addition for those guys. Certainly, it has to be a bit of a blow for the Giants. I mean, we, we spoke at the start about how they picked up all those picks with Jeremy Cameron. I think that they would have preferred players. They would rather stay in the window. They've spent so much time in the draft over the years to just continually lose these players. So Jai Coldwell, a guy they invested pretty heavily in only two years ago, and now uh, pick 29 in this year's draft, which is going to push back into the 30s. A future second, I know, is pretty handy, but I do think this one's a bit of a blow for the Giants, even though um, you know something is better than nothing, but losing that guy that you invested heavily in and not getting even close to the return uh, does suck for them a little bit. And they're going to be losing Jackson Haitley as well. They couldn't get a deal yeah. done with Adelaide, so which is bananas to me because he's going to Adelaide in the preseason draft anyway. So um, they should have got something done there. So losing Haitley and Caldwell, who are both from the same draft, it, it does hurt. They, they lose, yeah, obviously, a lot. Core, Williams, Cameron, Haitley, um, Caldwell. They get some back and they get some value. But it look, it, it, not that those guys are all uh, outside of Cameron. They're, they're not... They're absolute elite guys. You know, Williams and Corp, pretty strong, but it doesn't help their depth. It doesn't help to replenish what's going on. So a little bit of a step back there. Um, Nick Hind, as I mentioned, went to Essendon. That's probably the least impactful move, I would say. Although he's a guy that played, I believe, for Essendon in the VFL. But I want to talk about your mate, uh, Alex Witherden, heading to the Eagles. I think this is a, a, an absolute massive win for West Coast. They didn't have to give up much to get him. Another one of those moves that was talked about for a long time. They get Witherden and pick 86, and they give up 58 and a future third. So yeah, Witherden, does he jump straight into their best 22? He's a guy that gets the ball, runs it well off halfback. Um, I think it's I think it's massive for them. Yeah, keep an eye on Witherden. It's interesting to note what the salary was there. He's obviously getting paid a, a decent amount anyway. We're not talking top-level money here, but certainly mid-range uh, salary for Witherden because he did come off, obviously, a fantastic season. And then, as we mentioned, sort of slotted in behind guys like Bailey and Stasevich, and these guys kind of took his spot there in the back line. But I agree. Uh, he's uh, great skills, runs well, covers the ground. And I think similar to Brisbane, actually. But, uh, you know, I think playing at at Optus Stadium over there. It's a, it's a fast ground. The weather's always nice. Well, most of the time is nice. So I think it'll suit his style of play. And West Coast, we know, uh, they're a pretty loaded team. So uh, to add a young talent into the lineup, this is how you replenish your list if you're an experienced team. Because what what would uh, West Coast do with uh, that that pick, 58? Are they, are they going to get a player as as good as Alex Witherden? Yeah, no, no, I mean, not even close. Maybe, uh, like, like maybe, but yeah, maybe, it's, maybe, it's, maybe in four years' time. Yeah, it's it's a long shot. So this is how uh, teams that are contending uh, are able to replenish the list. You add guys that have got that experience that can step straight in. And I've said it before. I, I think Witherden is a guy that's right there. I, I wanted him this year to to step up. He got pushed out of the team, but I'm back all in on next year. It's interesting to me that 
Brisbane and West Coast really sort of devalued this draft, despite the fact that you know junior footy was being played in Western Australia and, and being played up in yeah. uh, in Queensland as well. West Coast's first pick is sixty two this year. Yeah. So they're just like, we're all out in the draft. And you would think that they'd say, well, we've got a bit of an advantage. We've seen these guys close. We know there's sometimes go home factor with these guys. We can maybe yeah, make a bit of a, a, a killing because we've been able to scout these guys extensively. But no, they said we're out in this draft. And they've and next year, they've got an additional second rounder uh, coming in and they, um, and they get Sydney's third rounder coming in as well. So some premium-ish type, well, that round two pick uh, is an interesting one. That It's Port's pick, but you know, a couple of good picks coming in next year while only giving up their third rounder to, to Brisbane. So some you know, some interesting moves to see them just you know, really say where we're punting on uh, on draft night in 2020. They are, they're all out of the calculations, but I think to bring in Witherden, he is he the missing piece? Apparently... According to uh, noted plumber and former recruiting guy Gary Bacanara, West Coast is the favourite for the flag uh, for next season. I'm not sure I buy that, but Witherden, uh, we're talking about the Bulldogs and the Saints pushing for the top four. West Coast is pushing for it as well, and I know, uh, you know seven don't go into four, so it's going to be really hot up the top there. West Coast are the favourites for the flag? That's what, he- that's what Bacanara claims. How did he come up with that one? I think he pulled it right out of his old, uh, old asshole there. It would be pretty difficult for me, and and there's been some player movement, there's no doubt. It would be difficult for me to understand anyone that watched the back end of this season and watched the grand final and looked at the age demographic of Richmond and came up with some sort of idea that they aren't the flag favourites for next year. It's, it's Listen, we don't have to be too tricky here. We don't have to get too cute with things. Let's, uh, let's be honest about where we're at. Yeah, when you've won three or four and your team is still got a lot of young players <laughs> getting better, uh, until you get beaten, I think you're the favourite. Um, uh, they went through a lot this year, Richmond, and still won it. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's almost impossible to think that somebody else is favourite. doesn't mean they're going to win, but... They uh, they've done plenty to get that uh, to get that benefit of the doubt. I'd say. I would agree with that. Uh, what have we got? Have we got any more deals? Or if we rolled through them all, it was, no. it's ended up being a pretty busy day. And uh, like like we said, I mean, only the really the one player that hadn't been mentioned in any trades at all. But they certainly came late. That's by design, I believe. But uh, they came late. And honestly, I think Essendon the team that for a lot of the deals, I mean, I don't know how they figured out how to work all these deals at once. They were had their hand in every single uh, pie as the time wound down. But uh, most of the trades that we thought were going to got, get done got done really outside of Dunkley. Um, I, I think... No Mason Cox move? No Mason Cox move, but, um, you know, come on. They'll, they'll, they'll roll him out in the forward line next year, the old pies, and uh, we'll see if he can uh, play a few good games. We'll see how uh, how it all goes, but obviously extraordinarily interesting uh, stuff going down with the um, with the AFL trade period. Uh, do you know when the AFL draft is by chance? I feel like this is a trick question. No, I, I'm just looking it up now. It is being held, and they're not even, they even giving me the day. Uh, it'll be held during the week, commencing December seventh. So there you go. Mm-hmm. We've got about three or four weeks before the draft uh, draft kicks off. But wow, what a uh, what a night! What a Really, just a, a landscape changing. Some of these moves, uh, you know, they are landscape changing because Collingwood is in trouble and other teams got stronger and it's going to make for a, an awesome 2021 season. Kane, thank you again for breaking it all down with me here. No, it was good. It was good. Stress, stressful couple of weeks. Uh, just, just really keeping me up at night. I'm uh, glad it's over, guys. Sorry about the uh, the longer podcast here, but we had lots to talk about. But don't forget, you can subscribe, and you'll never miss a show. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave us that five star review. And today, I'm going to leave you with a shout out to Tom Sheridan. <laughs>